I'm Carla Grimman, Fleet Supervisor for the Vancouver Park Board. That means I manage the buying and maintenance of all the equipment we use. Everything from trucks, tractors, leaf blowers, wood chippers, and line trimmers. I am also the host of this new podcast called Talk It Forward, brought to you by the Vancouver Board of Parks and Recreation. First, I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. When I first started at the City of Vancouver more than 18 years ago, I was in my third year automotive apprenticeship, and when I walked through the yards, I was the only woman wearing coveralls working in the trades at that yard. And there were actually barely any women working in the yards at all. And back then, when I was an apprentice, I had no clue that my career would lead me to become the fleet supervisor for the Vancouver Park Board. About four years ago, I remember attending my first supervisor meeting for the Parks Board, and I noted that I was the only woman sitting around the board table. And I'm happy to say that now there are three women that sit at that board table amongst 11 of us, and that when I walk around to the various works yard here at the city, there are more women in coveralls and more women in operations. And there are more of us taking on traditionally male roles. We've come a long way, but we're not quite there yet. A CBC News analysis that was published late last year found that the top 10 wage earners in every Metro Vancouver City Hall, 70% were men and 90% were white. We're hoping to change that. This podcast was born out of a program with the Minerva Foundation. The City of Vancouver sponsored me to attend the Women Lead the Way course, which supports women entering executive or supervisory roles. And within the program, we had to do a project and I chose to create a podcast to inspire women to reach for leadership positions within the workplace. Our first guest today is Sarah Greenwood, who is a facilitator at the Minerva Foundation. And she'll tell us a bit about the program, including how to support women on the road to leadership and how we can create authentic and inclusive leadership. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us and for being a guest on our show. I was wondering if you could tell us what the Minerva BC Diversity Pledge is. I know it's part of the City of Vancouver's Women's Equity Strategy, and I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners um, a little bit more about what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Carla. Thanks for having me today. So I might back up and answer the question by giving you a sense of the work, the broader work that Minerva does, because the pledge fits into looking at uh, ensuring uh, inclusive workplaces and spaces for corporations and organizations. Um, We also have programs for women and girls. And so I mentioned that because really what we are thinking of is at Minerva, our mission is to change the face of leadership and really to make sure that we focus on women, that women have um, equal opportunity to enter into executive level positions, as you noted. And so we start with 16 year old uh, young women or individuals that identify as young women. And so the face of leadership that you were asking about is really looking at 
that we recognize, okay, we can uh, really focus on individuals entering into leadership positions, but we also need to look at systems that are in place, systems, policies, processes that are in place. And that really comes from the organizational level. So the Face of Leadership program is, and the diversity pledge is, is exactly that. It's looking, it's asking organizations to sign the diversity pledge uh, and to really focus on and commit to reaching gender equity within their uh, managerial executive level positions. And so it has an, a very inclusive focus and that's, um, that's a bit about it. So Sarah, I know you've talked about being inclusive and authentic in leadership positions. And I'm wondering, like, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And when we're thinking about identifying what makes an inclusive leader, it starts with that self-reflection of who am I? What do I stand for? How do I show up in the workspace? Which gives people a pause to reflect how are they showing up and how are they showing up for others? And is that part of the values portion? I remember being in the classroom when I took the program and we really honed in on what our values were. It was a really hard task to do, and we were all sitting around in the classroom, all the participants looking at each other, and it, it was just a really hard thing to do. And I know that once I identified them, it really helped me to become a better leader and, and bring those values into the workplace as I led. Yeah, absolutely. And so the idea of values being What's core to me? What's a big piece of my identity? What's my true north? What's How do I follow my why? And so if we can really look at that, our values are our why, they're our true north. And so if we have a sense of what our core values are, not these values that have been placed on us by our friends, our family, uh, you know, just the culture around us, society, not those should values of I feel like I should feel this way or I should be this way, but our core values to what is really important to us. If we are clear about what those are, then it helps us to uh, more easily make decisions, more easily stand by the decisions because we know that they are based on what's important to us. Um, it also makes us more empathetic individuals because often what happens, and it can be hard to be really clear about what's core, a core value for oneself, but often it becomes more clear when you have this, this rub or this level of dissonance in a situation. So maybe it's a rub, you're interacting with someone at work and you feel this rub, or you're in a situation where you feel this disconnect or this level of dissonance. Usually that's a sign that you're ha there's a values misalignment or you're not acting in accordance with your values. And so it's those are the times where you can pause and think, hmm, why is this challenging for me? Yeah, it's, it was a daunting task. And I remember we had to whittle it down to our top five or something like that. Um, it, it, was a, it was hard. Mm -hmm. and I say this to every group that I work with. This is not something that you're going to figure out. No matter what age you are, if you're 16 or 20 or 50, it, you're not going to figure out in five minutes by looking at a checklist. The idea is to plant some seeds and then live in a way where you are uh, living with sort of purpose and awareness. And so you have this idea of, I think this is one of my values. And then test it out as you're going through life in the next few days, sort of look at how you're living and assessing, this is value. And you said it's daunting. It absolutely is. And it can feel sometimes almost disappointing. <laughs> so, and I say disappointing because it can feel 
like a struggle. Like I should know this. This should be a really easy thing for me to roll off the tip of my tongue. Um, and just, I would say, be gentle with yourself and play with it. Um, and it will become really clear. You will have interactions with people. You will be in situations where you can clearly identify, oh, right, this is a strong value for mine because I'm actually, you know, this is getting me really excited or really passionate or really upset. Um, and when you have those strong feelings, it's, that's when you pause and think, okay, what, what value is showing up here? So just switching direction here, how, how do we make women in leadership positions more the norm in the workplace? So I think it starts with a couple of things. I think it starts with individuals being able to see themselves in the roles that they want to get into. So how else do we do that? We need to give individuals the confidence to step up and have uh, challenging conversations. We need to give people the confidence to step up and try new things. Um, I think one thing that can get in the way, especially more common for women than men, is this idea of perfectionism. So, um, you know, as we're, as we're searching for something, we're reaching for perfectionism, which can cause us to question ourselves and then maybe not apply for that next position, maybe not apply for uh, a position where we feel like, oh, I, I'm almost there, but not quite. And so I think perfectionism can be our enemy. Sometimes, uh, sometimes good is really good and sometimes good is good enough. And so if we can step into that and it'll also open up more opportunities for us. And I think that also speaks to looking at the imposter phenomenon. The imposter phenomenon, you know, I've heard of that. What exactly is that? This is the idea that when something happens to you, you maybe can't own it as this great idea. It's like, so it might, you might be responding. And so if someone said to you, hey, Carla, I'm really glad that you got this. Uh, I, I'm so happy to see you have received this award. It's so deserving. And you might say, oh, it's no big deal. You know, look at, look at all these other people that have gotten it. And you're really diminishing this idea of why you deserve it. Or perhaps you're receiving an award and you're up on stage and you're surrounded by two other people that have received the same award. And you're thinking, ah, oh, I don't deserve to be here. This is this is for people that aren't me. And so it's this idea of that what you are receiving, whether it's promotions, awards, opportunities to work on different projects, it's this idea that you're not deserving of it, that you just lucked into this scenario uh, versus this idea of actually I've worked really hard to get here. I have a lot to offer and I'm so proud to be surrounded by these other two amazing people and look at the impact that we can have in our business unit, in our world, in our organization. So um and everyone at some point will have uh, an imposter moment, uh, male, female, wherever you are on the spectrum. You, it is not uncommon to have these moments where you question why you're there. But studies do show that women feel these imposter moments more often. So I've shifted, you'll notice I've shifted from speaking from an imposter phenomenon to moments. And so this idea of a phenomenon makes it sound like we are living it every day, all day. And that can happen. And if that if this is something that's resonating for listeners, then the idea is to say, okay, there are that's okay, but what can I do to make this not a continuous feeling and turn it into these moments? Um, and then when you have these moments, uh, what actions can you take to step outside your comfort zone and also to recognize 
that you are deserving to be there. You've done a lot of work to get to where you are. So I'm making a note for myself here to give myself credit when credit is due. That's a great succinct way of identifying the imposter moments and what to do with them. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Again, thank you so much for joining us on our show and giving us insight into the diversity pledge, imposter phenomenon, and our values. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's it's nice to be able to chat with you again, Carla. It's a pleasure to share our thoughts. I should say my thoughts and the thoughts around Minerva's uh, beliefs around leadership. It's always energizing to me. So thanks for having me today. You're listening to Talk It Forward, brought to you by the Vancouver Board of Parks and Recreation, and I'm Carla Grimman. We're talking about changing the face of leadership and how we can encourage women to become leaders. Next, we'll be looking at the barriers we are still facing, including gender bias and stereotypes. Should women just lean in and speak up to be respected in the workplace? Thank you, everyone, and welcome back to Talk It Forward. Our guest today is Therese. Therese is from the Equity Office at the City of Vancouver. And actually, Therese, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do at the Equity Office and what do you like the best about your job? My name is Therese Boulard. I'm an equity consultant. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, my role uh, as an equity consultant in the equity office is supporting organizational change um, to enable equity uh, throughout all the city's functions. So we're really focused internally as an office and in supporting departments to um, in their own equity work and supporting leaders to uh, improve equity, improve conditions for equity denied groups within the city's workforce. And the best part of my job is, is really the relationships that, uh, that I get to have with people from across the organizations who really care about equity and who really care about uh, moving these, uh, these issues forward. Do you have like an example or anything of how, you know, women need to lean in when they're in the workplace, say, say there is harassment or some sort of microaggression occurring, you know, we've been told, you know, just lean in and, and ask for things that you want or respect in the work, but that, that comes at a cost, you know, can you, can you expand on that a bit more or do you mm-hmm. have an example or yeah. some guidance? Um, as women, you know, we've been told to just lean in and ask for things and is this a realistic strategy? Mm-hmm. Um, my answer to that is it's a bit too simplistic as advice. So it might work for some women in some contexts and it might also backfire terribly, as you said. Um, so I think it's because we live in a society that still has stereotypical expectations uh, for, for gendered roles, for men to be assertive and outspoken and strong and women to be more adaptable and caring and accommodating. So when a man asserts himself at work, he's looked at as leadership potential. Um, but often when a woman or a gender diverse or non-binary person asserts themselves, they're viewed as angry, ungrateful, or demanding. It can actually work against women and limit their career advancement. And this is especially so for women who are Indigenous, Black, uh, women of color, or women with disabilities, because they are facing additional stereotypes or social expectations that kind of layer on to what people expect of them and how being assertive and leaning in and calling out inappropriate behaviors, um, it, it might be viewed 
even more negatively, that much more negatively. Um, so if I'm asserting myself as someone who's white, who's cisgendered, I may be tolerated. And in some contexts, I might even be celebrated for my assertiveness. But I, I can't speak for other women's experiences. So I do encourage listeners to research the regular experiences of discrimination and microaggressions that are reported by diverse women in the workplace so that um, they can get a more nuanced version of this advice to lean in and, and why it can be problematic as, as advice. Yeah. Um, so what do you think are other barriers for women in the workplace and women f- who are striving for leadership in their careers? Hmm. Well, I, I think there's a few things. I've mentioned gen- gender bias and stereotyping. Um, and in particular, for those who are Indigenous, Black women of color, women with disabilities, and those who might are gender diverse and gender nonconforming. And I don't know if you've heard these uh, stories, but I've even heard of this as an example that happened at the city where uh, the professional woman at the board meeting or at the meeting was mistaken as an administrative assistant or asked to take the meeting notes, or they're constantly being interrupted, um, or maybe they're labeled as emotional when they express an opinion with a bit of passion and conviction. So um, I think these deeply ingrained attitudes, they subtly work against women getting the respect and opportunities uh, for advancement that they deserve. And there's all the statistics uh, and research kind of point to this and confirm this. Um, so gender bias and stereotyping, I think, is is one of the key barriers. And the other one is, is our workplaces themselves have a lot of systemic and structural barriers that um, make it more difficult for women to fully participate and to fully take advantage of opportunities or, or for advancement, for example. So you know, if, if a workplace doesn't provide flexibility for things like childcare, elder care, or other family responsibilities, that's a huge barrier because women still carry the brunt of care work. And that lack of flexibility, or in particular, often leaders are expected to be available on weekends and evenings uh, to answer their phone. Um, these can be barriers for, for women aspiring to leadership. And I think that's something that needs to be examined more. I know that during the pandemic, remote work uh, became great. much, yeah, <laughs> it was great unless you were a caregiver and your children weren't in school. And yeah, then you're even, yes. <laughs> so I think um, as we, as we go into endemic or coming back into the workplace, hopefully hanging on to some of that flexibility and for management's ability to manage remote workers uh, more effectively uh, rather than assume that they're productive because they're in their desks and you can see them eight hours a day, like, you know, look at different ways of measuring performance. So I think um, there's systemic barriers that still limit uh, women's advancement in the workplace, in addition to those attitudinal or stereotypes or gender bias barriers. And then others are uh, limited access to established networks or what we call the old boys network, which is still uh, very much in operation. And... um, and and also um, because uh, women don't occupy positions of leadership at the same percentage as men in the city, it's 39% of our senior leadership uh, is made up of women. You know, in the same way that there's an old boys network, for example, uh, the women's leadership networks aren't nearly as well developed. So the combination of that and less visibility of diverse women in leadership It means that the important sources of sponsorship and mentorship and support and also just the visibility of of women. That's huge, that visibility. Seeing seeing someone like yourself in that position and the ability to say, hey, if 
they can do that, so can I. Exactly, exactly. So I think those are some key barriers that um, impact uh, women in aspiring to leadership in the workplace. So Therese, um, could you tell us, you know, if you could give any strategies or advice to leaders in our organization or in any other organization, how can they be more aware of what is happening in their workplaces? You know, we want to make sure that um, their employees and others are not experiencing discrimination or any other barriers in the workplace. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And that is the question, really, because <laughs> um, really they're, they, you know, they, leaders have um, a huge responsibility in this. Um, so I think there's a few things that I recommend. And, and first, it's that leaders need to be self-aware and to model appropriate behaviors. So that self-awareness is the awareness that they have unconscious biases, that they may have impacts, and that they're um, that they're sensitive to that and how these impact on others. And also demonstrating self-awareness um, and behaving with care and attention of their impact on others and just being honest when they make a mistake, they're modeling the behavior that they expect from their employees. And then they also need to be vigilant and to correct inappropriate behaviors in the moment, not a year later during the performance review. And for this, they need effective communications and conflict management skills to have those difficult conversations. But these are all skills that can be developed. And I also, there's a flip side to correcting inappropriate behaviors, and that's affirming positive behaviors. So too often we're focused on don't, don't, don't. When in reality, the culture that we create in our workplaces is based on the behaviors we reward, not based on the behaviors that we correct. So if we're publicly thanking someone for helping out their coworker or, or for, 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 you know, being uh, polite or for, you know, just re- reinforce the behaviors that you like by affirming them and thanking people and recognizing them for that. And then they'll want to step up to it. And then also model inclusive behaviors during team meetings and, and with, with the team by including and actively seeking out, uh, the diverse voices on their team. And it sets an example that everyone is valued and respected on the team. The, the, the final tip also is if they're noticing that a staff member is showing signs of disengagement or disconnection from their work or their team, there may be behaviors or discrimination that the leader's not noticing. So maybe just taking time to check in with those workers to see what's happening, to provide support, to hopefully build a relationship of trust sufficiently that the person is feels safe bringing forward concerns and discrimination that might be going on. So I think those are kind of some tips that uh, I think would help make a difference. Those are big tips. It's a lot. It it is. (laughs) It is a lot. It is a lot. But I think part of it is that we're just, we're not used to it. And I think that as people ingrain that and do it more and it becomes more of a habit, then Mm -hmm. it will just become more natural. I really liked what you said about the flip side of things, because I think that that is, you know, a huge thing with a lot of people, you know, when you're at school and you get in trouble, you get pulled into the principal's office or the teacher's office, or you get called up to the front of the class, and it's always a very negative experience. And thus, as you sort of mentioned, it, it's not safe, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I think that is, just something really important to reiterate, you know, the positive affirmations and hearing more and more and more of that. I think yeah. if we can change that around, you know, more then I think just the whole employee engagement would become, you know, much 
you know, much better. So yeah, and 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 when I mentioned um, being self-aware and educating, I think that includes, and I should have mentioned it earlier. It includes educating themselves on the kinds of stereotypes and the kinds of subtle discrimination that are experienced by their diverse staff members um, based on race or sex or ability or um, just so that they're they're more attuned to issues that might come up that if they're a person of privilege who's white who might never experience these things they it's harder to notice so being educated on on those things will make it hopefully easier will support them in their noticing wow Therese Thank you so much for, you know, giving us a lot to think about. (laughs) These are all great things. These are all great strategies and tools that we can put into our toolkit. And I really want to say thank you for giving a voice to those that, you know, that either don't feel safe or, you know, they have other barriers, as you've mentioned, you know. So thank you for coming onto the show and being with us today. It was lovely to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for providing the platform and thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Talk It Forward. As we've heard, we still have a ways to go before women are the norm in leadership roles. And it's clear that there are still a lot of issues, but we need to solve these issues or at least start to move the needle on making workplaces more equitable. I have a 15-year-old daughter, and I don't want my daughter to have to go through some of the stuff that I went through in order to get to where I am today. In our next episode, we will be discussing what it's currently like to be a young woman entering a career in engineering. We'll talk about why some jobs are still seen as men's work and how we can feel safer in those environments. Please follow Talk It Forward to receive episodes as they come out. And why not share the podcast and tell your friends about us? You can learn more about the City of Vancouver Women's Equity Strategy online at vancouver.ca forward slash women's equity. Take care and talk soon.